Take a deep breath, take the higher road That's what they always say, as if they know the way They won't take it from me But don't ever doubt yourself, it's life ain't just a dream You make your own, so kick and scream The people will like with a never-ending force You never had the chance, so what you waiting for? The day has come, my friend, cause this is war Welcome to Nurses Out Loud with Nurse Michelle on Nurses Out Loud Talk Radio. We have changed up some things and we have a new set where we've got Nurse Jody moving to Mondays. Nurse um, Kimberly is staying on Wednesdays and I am now moving from Thursday to Fridays. And on Tuesdays, we're going to do a nurse Q&A that will have various nurses come in and do questions. And then we're going to answer your questions. So send them in to nurses at americaoutloud.com. If you ever hear something on a show that you want more information about or you think that you want to let us know about something, send it in to that email and we will get it on the show. And then on Thursdays, we're going to be doing nurse news analysis that's going to be addressing what's happening uh, in the world in news and get it from a nurse's perspective. If you all have been listening to me for a while, you remember um, Senator Laura Reinbold I interviewed and we exposed what happened to her during the COVID pandemic and how she was targeted and um, tried to be kept from even the Alaska State House for voting opportunities and the insane what she had to go through to get through Alaska in the dead of winter to be able to make it to vote because the airlines even persecuted her and kept her off because of a mask mandate. So she's in litigation over that. We hope that she wins and, and all justice prevails for all of those that did not get treated constitutionally during the COVID pandemic. And that also continues as many of you may be knowing. And those, the more, um, if you're out there in the digital world and you are on social media, et cetera, you are much more aware about what is going down. And uh, Senator Reinbold actually told me about somebody that she said, Michelle, you have just got to interview this young man. He is going to get some information to your listeners that they need to hear. And his name is Michael Ashley. And he's here with me today. And he is a former Disney consultant and has written over 20 books on numerous subjects, including four bestsellers. He recently co-authored Own the AI Revolution, Unlock Your Artificial Intelligence Strategy to Disrupt Your Competition. That's with McGraw-Hill. And the United Nations hosted the book launch at its AI for Good Global Summit in May. And that may sound like somebody may be like, oh, he's with the United Nations. You know, what side is he on on this topic? We are going to get to find out today because we hear all sides and you're going to get to hear about him. It has since been named by Soundview as one of 2019's top business books. Michael also recently published um, its Saturday morning celebrating the golden era of cartoons. Isn't that, doesn't that sound interesting? But something that really got my attention, um, besides the fact that he's a contributor to several magazines, um, and he's an entrepreneur and has his uh, career in Col- for the Columbia, Missourian. Um, there's more information there that I won't go into right now. But some of the topics that he had in Forbes magazine that are most recent articles, listen to some of these. Will I produce useless humans? Can fintech turn around the collapse in economy? The 10 commandments for using AI in hiring decisions. 
financial deplatforming, the scary threat we need to talk about uh, that's going to be addressing debanking that's gone on around the world, and how we take back the photo sharing from the Mark Zuckerberg of the world. That one sounds interesting. And could big data beat our opioid crisis? Who would think? So I can't wait to hear what he has to say about that. So welcome today, Michael. We are thankful to have you here. want to hear more about what you're doing and what you know. Well, thank you very much for having me here today. Appreciate it. Yeah, so um, you, I'm going to let you start where you would like to start uh, initially on where you stand on some of these issues as an AI person, because a lot of us that are out here in the conservative world almost feel like AI is maybe a threat that's a part of our future coming. And But yeah, at the same time, it's this amazing creation that is helping us at the same time. And teachers are going to even have to worry about, are their kids um, you know, using AI to write their papers moving forward? <laughs> Yes, exactly. In fact, that's stuff that I talk about very much. I think it's a double-edged sword. Um, you mentioned my background. I have a lot of background in terms of writing about AI and big data. I've written five books on this subject, and the most recent book that I wrote is called Neuromind, Triumph- Triumphing Over Technological Tyranny. And so I grew up loving science fiction, loving anything related to artificial intelligence, which was really exciting for me because I got to write that book that you mentioned on the AI revolution a few years ago. So I got to be immersed in this world. And I grew up thinking that the threat from AI had a lot more to do with Terminator 2, this idea of Skynet and autonomous weapons and sentient AI taking over the world. And there is that threat, to be sure, but I would say that there's a more insidious threat, and that comes from the way in which AI is using centralized control against us. And so you can see this with uh, COVID, especially with this idea of vaccine passports, with the idea of tracing our movements as well. And so I think that in the future, the dangers are coming from algorithms. They're coming from the ways in which you and I are categorized, the ways in which we are literally locked out of society. And so one of the articles that you mentioned earlier was the one about debanking. And so the threat that we mentioned, my co-author, Robert Grant, who wrote that book, uh, him and I wrote this book together. We talked about the threat in which is more and more uh, of our transactions occur digitally, they can be shut down. So um, the way we wrote that book was it's very allegorical. We put stories in. And one of the stories that we had in there was about Rosa Parks. Most people remember that Rosa Parks refused to give up her seat on a bus in Montgomery, Alabama. But the second part of the story isn't as well known, and it's just as important or more, and that is this. Martin Luther King Jr. and several uh, several of the other civil rights leaders came to Rosa Parks and asked her to be part of the face of this divestment movement, where they would stop spending their money at white-owned businesses that treated them as subhumans. And what we wanted to imagine was, you know, back then they were using paper money, paper cash, and then they could stop spending their money. Well, we we create a science fiction scenario where in the future, in this alternate reality, when they go to give their money to black owned businesses, it vanishes. It disappears into thin air. Well, that's exactly what happened with the Freedom Convoy in Canada. Justin Trudeau, using an emergency order that he was able to put in, his father actually established this order a few decades before, but they'd never used it before. And so anyone that was giving money to the Freedom Convoy movement found that their bank account was shut down or their credit cards were shut down. And so this is the kind of power that we have with artificial intelligence right now. It can track our payments. It can track our bank accounts. And so in the future, if they want to shut down dissent or protests or anything involving civil rights, 
they can literally shut down your bank account. And this is the this is the real danger that we should be concerned about when it comes to AI or any other forms of digital technology. That is just amazing. Are you saying to me that when that actually happened, the money that was being donated did just literally disappear? It didn't get to where it was supposed to go? That It just was not actually accessible? I knew it wasn't accessible, but where did it go? Where did that money go to? Well, yeah. we know that some of the money, I believe it was Go Send Go and GoFundMe were the two other ones. They literally pocketed the money to my knowledge. Now, when it comes to people's bank accounts, what I think happened uh, was that they were frozen. So I would imagine that the money would stay in the bank or, you know, with your credit card, that it just wouldn't it wouldn't work anymore. Um, but they could very much take the money as well. Um, and who's to stop them? I mean, what we're talking about is a what I call an unholy alliance between big government and and big corporations. So you think about, especially in America, of course, that happened in, in Canada. You know, we have constitutional protections. For instance, the First Amendment protects free speech. Well, the government can't necessarily do certain things, so then they, by proxy, enable social media companies to censor you. And the Twitter files very much expose this, how the, the powerful government, Uncle Sam, wasn't able to do things, wasn't able to censor people, but instead they can put tremendous pressure on social media companies to do things that they are constitutionally prohibited from doing. And this is another example of, of the techno-fascism dangers that we face. So what do you think are some solutions for what's going on? Because, yes, we definitely see that it's happening. It seems to be coming down to, well, it's a private entity, so it can do whatever it wants. But last time I heard, I can own a private business, and I'm still going to be under the laws of the U.S. Constitution of how I practice. And, I mean, even when it comes to these vaccines, like uh, in Maine, where I just recently had an emergency surgery, their governor made sure that if you were a private owner and you die, you dared to give a religious accommodation to a, one of your employees for the vaccine, you you would have your um, business license revoked and she broke title seven federal law in doing so. And, and she's going to be, le- she's being legally challenged for that, but it's mm-hmm. going to be a process. But what do you think are some solutions here for people, AI, not AI, but um, the techno lords who are successfully doing, they're still successfully doing this kind of censorship. What is the solution for it? Sure. Well, the first solution is what we're doing today is building awareness. Uh, many people, even in 2023 have no idea what's going on here. And I'll talk about ChatGPT for one moment because you mentioned it earlier. So right now, ChatGPT, which came out last November, is so powerful that it can pass all the law school exams, all the MBA exams, all the medical ex- school exams. So students in high school and, and college are using it to write their papers. They're essentially plagiarism, plagiarizing. And so the, the greater danger that I mentioned um, in, in talks and in this book uh, concerns consensus reality where AI begins to interpret what's true or not. So if you think about the way that AI is trained, it has biases, it's automatically built in. It's like a parent teaching their child. If you teach your child the wrong way, well then you're gonna have a child that's not really fit for this world or not the way that you intended it. And that's what's going on with ChatGPT. In the future, I highly suggest that we're not gonna have Google searches the way that we do right now. We know that people are already lazy enough that they're going to have a, a chat GBT write their papers for them. Well, they're also so lazy that they're not going to bother to look at the search results. Instead, what they're looking for is an oracle. And that is what ChatGBT or Grok or whatever these other AI uh, bard as well, uh, these, these AI sites, what they're doing is they're telling you what is true and what is not. This is consensus reality. So let's go back to Rosa Parks for a moment. 
if in the future, let's say it's 2030, and you were part of the government or whatever, some some uh, actor that wanted to control how people acted, you could then program your AI, that's the, the, your oracle, to say what you believe happened in the past. And since young people are not reading print versions of Encyclopedia Britannica, then they're, they're going to believe this is what really occurred because the oracle told me this has to be the truth. So that is a danger. But if we build awareness, if we start to share it with people, hey, this is what's really going on right now. This is what you should be worried about. Well, then people can take action. And the other major solution, although I have more, is this. It's an analog solution. We have to create better culture. If you think about what's going on right now, not only do we have AI that can be used to control our movements, to surveil us, to lock us out of society, we have all these things going on right now. But we also have another problem, which is this. Our culture has been on a, uh, an assault for the last few decades. I would say for much of the 20th century and, of course, the 21st century. And right now, we are losing our ways in terms of how we relate to each other. I'll give you one example. If you've been out to eat recently, I imagine you had this scenario. You look at the table next to you. Mom, dad, and the two kids are all on their phones, right? They're not connecting with each with, with each other. We look at the crime that's going on in these cities. It's not by accident. It's not by happenstance. It's because we've lost our ways with each other. We need to join groups together. We need to find community. We need to connect with each other in real life and develop friendships and relationships. And we need to bring back our integrity. And we need to have culture that represents our values. If you go on Amazon Prime, if you go on Netflix or whatever show that you, whatever platform you like to use to find your shows, you'll see that they're providing the, these cultural artifacts that are making us hate each other. They're making us hate our country. They're making us suspicious of each other. And so what we need to do is to combat the technological tyranny, we need to find the commonalities with each other. I promise you that you and I have much more in common than we do apart. And yet we've been led to believe through these AI algorithms that we are a country divided. Well, yes, we are divided in some ways, but we can still turn this around. We can still bring America back together. That is a profound statement and definitely a something that we are all living in. Um, what There's no doubt that it makes no sense that we had massive BLM riots occur all over the country in the middle of a pandemic lockdown and all of a sudden the six foot distancing that we're you can't even walk in a store without being six feet away but everybody could be crowded in the streets and um, running in and out of stores and looting them that's going to be tolerated it's like something doesn't make sense here and then this transgender thing that has come up in the midst of what's considered a lockdown world as well that is just being shoved down like that's the most important thing we're supposed to be talking about right now it's like wait hold on didn't we just have something otherworldly already happened to our country and aren't we still in it are we still talking about restricting american rights and freedoms because of this virus we're supposedly all worried about and now we're talking about whether or not a four or five year old should be called a boy or a girl and that's what's the predominant news you know that 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 is something that anybody who is awake enough should be able to at least see something is wrong houston there is a, a red flag red flags going up but i think that like you're saying the majority don't know what to do i mean i even see elderly people that I know well have who, who were doing thriving before COVID are not thriving as well now because they are afraid. So they've stayed home more. They've been inundated with TV. They've sat more. So they're less mobile. So their bodies are starting to deteriorate. So in general, the fear has had a across the board health impact on people. 
you know, and when you mentioned also about the chat GPT, when I actually asked chat GPT anything about the COVID-19 vaccine, and I mean anything, it literally says chat GPT has not been updated since 2021. And I think, oh, isn't that convenient that all the deaths and carnage and uh, the expose of the Pfizer documents that's published, that's out there for people to find, AI should be saying to people, oh, yeah, and we found out something bad about the Pfizer documents from the trials, and it's called go to Naomi Wolf's site. But instead, it just simply says it's not been updated. What do you think about that? Well, it's not true. Um, there's no way that it could be as accurate as it is right now. If that, if that were true, that's absolutely a lie. Um, but I do want to go back to one thing that you mentioned there, which is it seems like a magician's trick, right? Look over here while this is going on while we do this. And that has always been the case with news um, ever since time immemorial. And so, you know, if you just think about if you're in the the, um, the shopping, let's say you're in a grocery store and you're at the checkout lane and you see all these magazines and they have celebrities on them. Right. They want us to be focused on celebrity gossip, stuff that's junk food for your mind or sports that doesn't really matter. And I'm not saying sports isn't good. It's great. But if you're focused on that and you're not focused on what's going on in your community, if you don't know what's going on at your school boards or your city council meetings and you're not invested in your community, then they're winning. And so what we need to do is we need to take personal responsibility for our lives. That means being informed. That means knowing what is going on locally caring about what's going on in your community. To me, that's the other way that we begin to combat this. So if you look at what's going on right now, you mentioned some things in the news, what's happening right now. I think what happened, uh, if you go back to Occupy Wall Street just a few years ago, right after 20, 2008, there was righteous anger at the banks and the governments that were allowing these banks to take people's money. And then when it all collapsed and they foreclosed on all those people whose mortgages were underwater. If you remember, we were sold this idea too big to fail and that we had to bail out the banks, forget about the little everyday people. We need to help them. And so right then we had a time for America to come together both whether you were on the left or you were on the right, you were very much, your anger was directed at these entities that were ruining your lives. And so what do they do? Instead, now we've gone into these other things. Right now, we think that there's this whole problem regarding racism or your gender or whatever it is. And so all of it is meant to divide us. This is an old, old idea. It goes back more than 2000 years divide and conquer. The more that you and I fight over, you know, what your pronoun is or what the color of your skin is or whatever, it doesn't matter. We're all created in God's image. And these are superficial reasons to divide us. Instead of uniting and remembering that we have more in common than we have apart and realizing where the real problems are coming from, instead we're fighting with each other. And so my message to each other would be um, that this is not a left or right issue. This is a people issue and we have to wake up to that. Oh, what a wonderful statement. Um, I made sure that my kids listened to 1984 um, Orwell, Orwell's book over this last couple of years because I said you're, we're literally living in an Orwellian world right now. It's actually happening right now. He mm -hmm. thought it was going to be 1984 around the time I was in high school, but here I am with kids in high school, and it's happening during my kids' high school generation. I'm, I'm sure that you're probably a fan of that book. Yeah, and and sure. see the parallels of what's happening in our country right now. I love some of your solutions that you're saying. It seems like such easy things to say, like we've got to increase our integrity. But now we're in a culture that says 
well, your integrity is not my integrity. Your integrity says that women and men should be married. My integrity says men and men should be able to have babies. You know, it's like everything that is the basic fundamental of what used to be um, normative of a boy can be a girl, a girl can be a boy is everything's under question. And I do think that like you're saying, um, person to person communication is going to is what it has to be. So what we don't do, like you're saying, heads are down, faces are down. Like last night, if I see anybody with a mask on in a public place, because I help people know that there is a better way, you don't actually have to wear the mask. I have 170 studies to show you its ineffectiveness and harms. Let me ask you, why are you wearing it? And it's just literally breaking the barrier of no eye contact with strangers, no hello, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. So and these and the ladies that were walking by with it happened to be African American. So when I spoke to them, you know, I broke two barriers. It's like, okay, you know, I'm I'm talking to a stranger. I'm talking to somebody. I'm Caucasian. That person's not. I'm talking to somebody that people say we should not be similar. And I actually oppose what you're doing. I think that masks are hurting you. You are wearing masks. So I'm I'm confronting it from a friendly perspective to say, is somebody making you do it? What made you think that you had to do it? Do you know there's a better way? And this person next thing they know, like you got to come to my nursing home and come. talk to people about this because she told me the craziness that if their patients actually get COVID, they have to ship them out. So the business loses money. They start losing money by the day. If the person gets COVID and has to go to the hospital, she says, if you could actually help us not even get our COVID patients actually get well and stay home. I'm like, Oh yeah, we can do that because nobody's teaching them things like that. So it's just a form of loving people. And if you remember that movie that was popular at one point called while you were sleeping, mm-hmm. I thought, I think it's relevant today. Not the, not the movie per se, but the title while you're watching Netflix or ball games or whatever, just sitting around letting being amused, which means no thinking while yeah. you're not thinking the world is going to hell in a hen basket. And this yeah. country is uh, altering at a very rapid pace for your kids. And we have an obligation as the adults in this world to preserve it for our children, but articulating what needs to be preserved. Now you listed some of those about getting involved in your community actually speaking to people and getting outside of your homes and they successfully kept us in our homes and people are still staying in their homes. There are many companies that still have um, businesses um, that used to go into the office. Now they don't have to go in the office at all. So what what would you say about that before our break? Sure. Well, I'd say that brings up one of the most, if not the most important uh, solution I have, which is storytelling. So if you think about it right now, we're following a narrative. The, The women that you mentioned that are wearing the masks believe one narrative, right? And what we need to do is change that narrative. And I'll give you an example. Uh, Dr. McCullough, who I think is a wonderful human being, a very brave human being, him and I happened to speak at the same conference last month, and he talked about one version of the narrative. And that narrative is brought to you by the pharmaceutical industry, which means, which, which says that you need something else to be healthy. You need our pill to be healthy, right? Mm-hmm. But what I would say, and what he is also saying, he's the one that said it to me, is this, which is we are actually naturally healthy creatures. Um, We have everything that we need. We have a wonderful immune system. If we take care of our body and if we take care of the way that we exercise and what we eat and the fact that we're, uh, you know, getting out there and also that we're being around other people, social, there's a social aspect that's very much um, important to your health as well. If you have an empowering narrative that says you are already okay, then that begins to shift the way that you view the world. So going back to those women, it's not that you have to have a mask or you have to have a surgery or you have to have a certain pill to go outside. Instead, 
you are already okay. And that all you need to do is continue to live in that place where you're nurturing your body, nurturing your soul, taking care of yourself. It's a very empowering narrative. We need to, to take their narrative, which is all about demoralizing you, which is all about breaking you down and making you feel like you're weak and you're fragmented and you need the state. Instead, you say, you are okay and so is your neighbor. If you just change that one aspect and you live in that truth, speaking about objective truth, that is how we begin to combat this tyranny. Oh, I love that. Um, it, we all know who Dr. Peter McCullough is on AmericaOutloud.news because he's one of our famous news shows that has the McCullough Report, and he's also doing a weekly Q&A with Malcolm, and that is every Sunday. And it's on, um, right now, they were actually addressing what's going on with the insurance companies, noticing what's going down, because if you're suddenly starting to lose a lot of money on dead people that used to just get killed in car wrecks in their 20s, and all of a sudden they're having sudden death, Eventually, the insurance companies are going to say, whoa, Nelly, something's going on. I need to know why all of a sudden I'm having to pay out insurance on otherwise healthy people. He's addressing that this week, but also his book, The Courage to Face COVID-19, Preventing Hospitalization and Death While Battling the Biopharmaceutical Complex. That's what Michael just mentioned, and it's just a paralleling with what Dr. McCullough's message is out there, that we all have got to wake up, that something is going on, that is the bigger entities are trying to make us believe that there is something flawed with us. I just heard another thing from the WHO that said, you know, we didn't successfully get a jab in every arm in the world, but but we can do it. And it's like, so in other words, 100% of humankind is missing something that a a biopharmaceutical complex knows that it needs to be able to live on this earth. And yet somehow we did it for decades before they ever came on the scene, generations before they ever came on the yeah. scene. Right. Yeah. 100%. So, yeah. So, so when we hear that, um, sadly it has successfully worked and there was a, I think the movie was called the sound of freedom that just was very popular all over the world and people were really encouraged to, and if people were in the conservative circles, they were strongly encouraged to go see that movie. And while I'm sitting in that movie, there's a moment where the little girl gets kidnapped by the cartel and they say, it's hopeless. There's no way we can get in to save her. The military can't go in. The police can't come in. The government can't come in. It's hopeless. Well, guess how they got that girl out. It was with a vaccine. They said, oh, we'll tell the cartel that cholera is breaking out in their area and we will send WHO in there with a cholera vaccine. And it is, in fact, the true story of how they got that little girl out of there, that even the cartel, as as dark and sinister as we think they are and backwoods as we may think they would be, they have been victims of the teaching that vaccines are so imperative for your survival that you've got to let the WHO into your place that even the government can't get into. It's just a mind-blowing perspective to even think that the V word has successfully permeated the entire world in that way. All right, when we come back, we're going to start back where we left off. Be sure to check out the AmericaOutloud.shop for any products that we have told you would be a benefit for you right now, making sure that you have your iodine nasal spray and throat spray in your possession. But also because Michael's a guest here on AmericaOutloud.news, go to the AmericaOutloud.bookstore and we're going to make sure all his books are there and you can get one of his books. So be sure to check that out. We'll be back in just a moment. It's time and this is world. Millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of the toxic spike protein. 
Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at the Wellness Company designed their spike support formula to counteract harmful spike protein from COVID-19 and vaccines so you can feel your best. Go to OutloudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. This is Jody O'Malley with Nurses Out Loud. Did you know our body is made up of trillions of cells and inside each cell, redox signaling molecules are produced? These molecules hold a sacred place in chemistry because as we age, the vital communication of our immune system to keep our bodies free from harmful bacteria, viruses, and toxins become less efficient. For the first time ever, ASEA brings you the power of these molecules in a convenient and potent form to provide your body with the essential support it needs to thrive. Ever since I toured their facility, I take two ounces in the morning and evening, and my vitality and energy has been restored at a time I needed it the most. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get your exclusive 15% discount by using the code OUTLOUD. In 2008, people could spend an average of 12 seconds on a task without becoming distracted. Five years later, it was only eight seconds. The digital age is narrowing our attention span. Trouble concentrating or recalling information is frustrating, embarrassing, and kills productivity. Advanced Nutrition Company, Healthy Cell, created Focus and Recall to boost your brain power. And unlike other supplements that don't work, Focus and Recall is not a pill. It's a patent-pending gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients to help you immediately sharpen focus, concentrate longer, and strengthen recall. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack. Tear off the top, shoot it down. Thousands of five-star reviews proves it works. Supercharge your brain and see the difference. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. The Natural Colon Cleanse. It's the ultimate digestive tune-up with Oxy Powder. It's crafted to alleviate the discomfort of gas, bloating, and occasional constipation. There's a reason why Oxy Powder is our number one seller. It worked. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OUTLOUD. Global healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. AmericaOutloud.news is beaten to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, troubled, misled, joyful, and thankful. We know you because we are you. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. out loud today i'm here with michael ashley author and so much more talking to us today about ai and i want to make sure you go to the link in my not i want you to go to where our show notes are which is by going to americaoutloud.news slash nurses out loud i'm nurse michelle talking to him today so you'll pick my face 
and you will find out that today we're talking about AI and you can go to that article and find anything we're talking about today, any links he references or links to him or links to his books, we will have in those show notes. So be sure to do that. Now, I wanted to start back with Michael with the 10 commandments of, for using AI in, in anything. Honestly, your, your article was about hiring decisions, but yeah. also how it pertains to people who are raising up kids who are now in this generation of phones. Yeah. Well, thank you for, for bringing that up. And I I, um, I want to pivot on that very much. So, you know, um, <clears throat> I think that we have a, a mind virus when it comes to our phones. So if you go back in time and you were to watch, a, let's say, a movie that came out in the 30s, you'd see everyone is smoking cigarettes, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so, but if you look at a movie these days, it's very rare to see people smoking cigarettes. And whether you smoke cigarettes or not, I'm not judging you, but we, we see that people can change their behavior and their habits. And that's definitely true when it comes to social media. I think social media is wreaking even more havoc than, than smoking does in, in a lot of ways because it's turning us against each other. It's destroying our ability to think. There's actually an interesting article that came out that said that the young people especially who are spending upwards of 8 or 12 hours a day on TikTok can no longer even sit through a movie like a two hour or three hour movie. Think about that for a second. It's entertainment. It's not even um, it's something that's, let's say, educational or boring. We're talking about a movie and young people can't sit through that. So if we back up and think about this for just a moment, how can we expect young people to sit in a classroom for eight hours a day, assuming you want to put kids in the classroom? How can you imagine that they will do that? How can you imagine the students will read a book and understand all of the wonderful things that we benefit from in Western civilization, much less the Bible, how can we imagine that they can do it? Well, they can't. This is a mind virus, and this is happening on purpose. Like I said, it's not happenstance. And the first thing that I would recommend, especially to parents, is don't give your kids phones. At least until they're 18, don't give them phones. Simon Sinek had a wonderful talk. This was even before COVID, and he said this. Imagine you're your sophomore or your junior in high school has a bad day at school, would you allow them to come home and have a key to the liquor cabinet where they could just drink, drink, drink? No, of course not. But if you think about what social media is doing, it's giving you that dopamine hit that you would get when you when you drink or you take cocaine or whatever like that. And we are allowing them to have this free for all. They have a bad day at school, probably because of social media. Someone is saying bad things about them. They're, they're spreading a rumor or they're gossiping. And so when, what do they do? They go home and then they connect on social media and they're liking someone else's video or they're hoping someone will like their video or their post. And what are they doing? They're destroying their minds. And that is what's going on in this country. We are unable to think anymore. And I truly believe that the nightmare that we've been living through for the last three years, no way would this have been possible if not for social media, if not for the mind virus? Because we used to be a nation that was almost fully literate. People don't know that. We used to be able to have wonderful discourses. Think about the Lincoln-Douglas debates for just one moment. Each person had about 90 person. Lincoln or Douglas had 90 minutes. And people would sit there with rapt attention and listen to what they had to say. These days, we can barely get through a 140 character word tweet we can't even wrap our minds around this anymore. We're not reading the great books. And so I very much encourage parents, please don't let your kids on their phones. Don't let them get sucked into this vortex with TikTok, especially TikTok that's encouraging kids to hate their country, to hate their bodies, to hate their families, to hate themselves. 
this is what we really need to do to get off these things. And I and I know even with the show that there are there's it's going to enter the social media sphere, right? It's almost uh, you, it required to interact online. But you know what? You can still set guardrails, especially for young, impressionable minds. For them, at least, give them until the age of 18 to have an analog childhood or as much that you can so that they're more prepared when they get to be an adult and they can create their own balance and their own boundaries when it comes to their phones and social media. Four years old. So do you have children already? Yes, I have two children. Okay, so I have six and my kid, I thought I was being that mom, like you're saying, by keeping those phones away from my kids, because so many of my peers were letting their kids have phones in their elementary years. And I thought, oh, I'm waiting till they're 16 years old at the driving age. I'll let them do it because they'll be driving cars. And the arguments out there for all the kids to say, well, mom, I'm going to be driving. I'm like, well, once upon a time I drove and I didn't have a car phone. If I had a wreck, I I had a problem in Houston. I had to wait for the police to come. And it does make you feel better as a mom who is raised in this generation because for whatever reason, we're apparently scared to death of anything happened to our children in this generation. But in my generation, I lived in the woods all day and nobody knew where I was. My feet were bare. I was dirty and I really needed a bath when I came home because I wasn't inside dressed in cute clothes all day. So, uh, you know, I lived barefooted and dirty and it was wonderful. And that's how my childhood was. And I tried to raise my kids that way. But when they hit 16, I said, okay, these are the basic parameters of it. But I had no idea what monster I was unleashing. And I was a awake mom who was trying to protect my kids. They were homeschooled already and thinking I was protecting them. And they didn't want to be the addicts like their peers that were so hooked to their phones. But they quickly became that and quickly realized that the uh, AI, let's just say the AI, solicits them for porn. I mean, I'm amazed that a, a woman my, like myself that's 56 <laughs> years old that how much I get solicited for porn groups every single day on my Instagram. They're, they store up their chat groups and I can't report these groups. Interestingly enough, Instagram doesn't give me a way to report the group or anybody. I have to either leave it or participate. That's my only options. Delete, leave, or you know, open it up. So that's what my kids are getting done. And they don't have the discipline that I have to know better. Um, they're, they're the ones that are getting sent these videos that a moment, just in a second, all it takes is for a young man to see what God created to be intentionally beautiful, a woman's body who is doing something that she's not supposed to be doing on social media. It's uh, supposedly against community guidelines. And in a moment, he's captured by her beauty. Her beauty was meant to capture a, a man's attention or whatever people are, te- you know, a person who's homosexual may be attracted to an attractive man, man to man. But whatever it is, AI has figured out who to uh, allure you with and pull you in. And I tell you, when I get censored, I always go and hunt down one of these sites and report it just to see if they're going to play play fair. They do not play fair. The social media does not mind that the world is out there doing that to our kids. It's not breaking community guidelines because it's a form of art. And I think we should talk about that. You know, how does it how does it play into art and AI? What what's going on in that department? Sure. Well, I say that if you back up and think about this for a moment, it's a war for our minds. They call this fifth generational warfare. So there was um, a KGB agent that came to America, uh, Yuri Bezmenov, who came to America in the 1980s. And he said, you Americans think you're so smart. You think you defeated communism? Well, you're wrong. And so the way that the intelligence agencies work is not like a James Bond movie. Again, this is the way that they trick you. Uh, it's instead through something called ideological warfare, basically changing hearts and minds. And they've been doing it in this country for decades. 
Uh, they do it in the schools. They do it in art, in, especially. They do it in, in education. They do it in the culture. And so let's talk about pornography for just a moment. There's so many different ways that we can go with this, but let's just talk about desensitization for just a moment. Um, you know, when I was a kid, it was very hard to get a Playboy or whatever you wanted to find, or if you had, you know, porn on video, it was very difficult to get, right? And so I can still remember when I was exposed to this as a, as a very young man and what it did to the way that I thought about sex or, or, or women or whatever. And so, and that was just a limited amount of time that I spent with it. Now, if you are, I don't know, even a baby, if you wanted to, a baby could get a phone and press the button and boom, you're on a porn site. And what does that do to your psyche? What does that do to, especially to men who, like you mentioned, are very much attracted to the visual image? It begins to warp and distort your mind. And so, if you think about this for just a moment, what is what is it doing? Well, number one, it's destroying our ability to have interpersonal relationships. And so men go into a relationship believing that women do what they see on these videos. And when they also, and by the way, that's even assuming that the men are even going out there and trying to have relationships. They're not. Uh, they're sitting at home and they're doing, they're going after the low hanging fruit. Why bother having game or being witty or clever or even attractive physically to a woman or whoever you're attracted to when boom, you can get your phone out here. It's so much easier. You don't have to have a face-to-face conversation, which can be awkward or make you feel rejected if the other person doesn't like you. So instead, you're getting your needs fulfilled through a phone. So not only are you losing your interpersonal skills, which by the way, we're seeing in the workforce, there's so many employers that I hear about all the time. They're saying, these people that are coming up, these young people cannot work for us anymore. They can't take directions. They don't know how to say things nicely. They don't know how to even work with customers and clients. So it, it spans all of these other ways. But more than that, it's going to destroy marriage. It destroys the population. And so if we don't have enough people that are living in a certain country after a while, who's going to buy these services? Who's going to produce them, right? You're going to destroy the, the your, your country. And so what I would say, again, going back to prescriptives, which would be this, it is very difficult to control this, this, uh, you know, control a phone. If I think about how I was when I was 12 or 13, when I was first exposed to pornography, no one could tell me what to do. Um, But if I also think about the way that I was raised, it wasn't as if I had these kind of uh, these cultural um, markers that we talked about earlier. My parents weren't having these conversations with me. We were not having frank discussions. We weren't as a society condemning these things because they were kind of below the radar. Instead, we have a moment. We can choose to look at everything that's going on right now as the worst thing ever, as the nightmare, and in a lot of ways it is. Or we can view it as an opportunity to have conversations with our children, to get closer with them, and to say, look, there are these things out there. I know why you would be attracted to these videos or these images. But instead, we're going to talk about how to have a healthy relationship. And we're going to talk about why it will serve you now or serve you better in the future, excuse me, to not be watching porn all day because it's going to rot your brain. It's going to destroy your ability to have a wife or a husband or whatever you want in your life. And so once again, I think it goes back to culture and the message and the story that we're giving to our young people. Yeah, the message is not that there is value in getting yourself a woman one day and having a marriage and having a family and having children. The message is basically making the family look like something you wouldn't want anyways. 
So that would come down to getting our kids off of the Amazon videos, off of the Netflix videos, because what we know, we, we canceled Netflix just simply because it had so much agenda oriented movies that were out there. So the kind of, let's say, art that's going on that they're producing for the, us to consume and amuse our brains with is actually contributing to making it undesirable to even want to have anything other than, the, like you said, low hanging fruit, get the easy button, just get my fix um, right. through porn in that sense. Um, how else do you see it manifesting through um, art and how that's going on in our world right now? Sure. Well, I was on a, a podcast last week and the, and the person was talking about how ugly it is outside and how ugly it is in American cities. And this is on purpose, too. And so if you go, um, especially to modern cities and you look at uh, their downtown, even if they probably don't even have a downtown, instead what they have are these shopping centers where every store is a big box store, whatever it is, and they all look the same. In fact, they look like I was in... Um, I was in Poland uh, in early in the early 2000s, and I got to see how they reconstructed the city. And so it made it look better now. But at the time, everything looked like everything else. There were just the same gray buildings wherever you looked. <clears throat> now, if you go to the suburbs, you see the same thing as well, where the exurbs, you see these cookie cutter houses that look exactly like the other house next to them. Well, if I told you earlier that it's a war for your mind, why might they want to do this? Well, it demoralizes you. It goes back to the narrative that I mentioned earlier. It's it's something that's even subconscious. So think about if you go, the experience you have, whether you go to a, like a, a Starbucks versus a McDonald's. Now, I'm no fan of either one of those companies, but there is something different going on. If you go into McDonald's, you see bright colors. Why are they doing that? They want you to be getting out there quicker. The more that there's a volume, the more that there's turnover, the more money that they make. They don't want you hanging out at McDonald's because you're not buying something. It's Starbucks. They have a very different intention in mind. They want you to hang out. They want you to linger. That's why they put more muted brown colors, the more relaxing colors, right? This is on purpose. The same thing is going on in our cities. They want us to feel agitated. They want us to feel sad and depressed and demoralized because the more demoralized that we are, the less likely that we are going to fight back. But instead, I encourage people to fight back in a different way. It's not go out and fight people, literally. I'm not suggesting that at all. Instead, create great pieces of, of art. Look at the wonderful cathedrals we, that we have. Maybe you have one in your town. Maybe you have a chance to go to Europe. Look at the architecture, especially in places like Venice. Look at what they're doing there. What's going on there? They're eliciting or helping you to imagine God's beauty within and without. And so what I would encourage people to do is to create great stories, create great pieces of art, because you know what? It's going to affect people, whether consciously or subconsciously. It's going to um, excite them. It's going to inspire them. It's going to compel them to want to do good in the world, right? I'm sure you've had this experience before. You've been to an ugly place and you're like, oh, you may, even, may not even know why you feel that way. Well, if you want to inspire people, inspire them through beauty. That is beautiful. I think it's a very important part that we are losing what the side of women actually are in our society. And predominantly what we think of when we see women, women make the world beautiful. It is a beautiful creation that's been made and they sell things. If you put them on an ad, they're going to sell faster than a man on that same ad is going to do. And what do women naturally do when they're homemakers and they come home and their moms, they make their homes beautiful. They make the domestic environment something that the kids feel like they're proud of when they have their friends over or it just makes life women can make life beautiful not to say that men can't do the same thing in architecture building and whatever else and decor even but there is something unique about being demoralizing what a woman is 
because yeah. I do think that there is something about what we do do that brings beauty to the world by our presence and and by our gifts inside of our mind for what we do to make places lovely. I couldn't agree more. I, I absolutely agree with you. Um, and if you think about it just as well, that it's, it's providing order and structure as well. So another part of this is, you know, there's, it goes back to broken window theory, this, you know, this, this crime theory where I come from St. Louis. And so there are parts of downtown St. Louis that are just bombed out. They look awful and they're broken windows everywhere. And so when you walk by it, they've done these studies with, which show even subconsciously, if you see a broken window, you are more likely to feel unsafe and or to feel like it's okay to commit a crime here because the thinking goes, well, if they're not going to fix a broken window, pretty much anything here goes. So it's either very dangerous or it's an opportune place for me to commit a crime. And so the same idea is going on with our psyches, right? We're surrounded by clutter and, and ugliness and decay. Well, it begins to degrade your psyche as well. However, the easy, not maybe not easy, but one fix for this is to create beauty. And you're absolutely right. Women do that even more than men. Men are more of the beholders of, of beauty and women are the ones that are projecting the beauty. But I think that they, they very much work in tandem. And then when they are, we create a much better world. That is beautiful. Um, in our last few minutes before we have to part, um, tell me uh, some thoughts you have that you would say to parents on um, when it comes to the education process, because my view is this is a Darwinian culture that the public school and basically even the private school sector really is. It's a survival of the fittest. Are you pretty enough? Are you smart enough? Are you athletic enough? Are you academic enough? Whatever it may be. And no matter what, you become peer dependent. So am I being accepted by my peers in that kind of environment that translates over to college? And therefore, I can't speak out in my secular college about views I differ with the people with because I have to be accepted. I'm in the homeschool movement. So for 29 years, we're used to going against the tide and trying to make kids feel like it's okay to have a completely separate idea from the rest of the world. So how do you, but the majority of people are going to put their kids in an institution to educate them. So what do you think is the solution here for as it pertains to AI and what we can do? Well, I'm not against competition. I think that there's a, a lot of merit in, in meritocracy. Uh, and it is important to want to be the best. However, for too long, we've wanted to just get grades for grades sake. And that's not teaching you anything. You're not learning anything. You're going to forget it as soon as that test is over. <clears throat> Instead, I would encourage parents to, yes, it's okay to be want to be the best. But encourage them to be autodidacts. Encourage them to do their own research. Stop worrying about how uh, how Johnny or Susie is doing in school in comparison. Instead, what I tell my kids is that the grades don't matter to me. I don't care what your grades were. My grades were awful until I turned my life around when I was 15 years old. It doesn't mean that I wasn't equipping myself in learning things. What matters more is that you learn how to do it. And I'll give you an example. Um, anybody can cheat now and find the right math answer. What matters more is how you got to that answer. That's what I'm concerned about. I want to know that my child knows how to find the answers because there may come a day where all this technology that we've been talking about goes away. There could very well be an EMP attack, a nuclear attack, or something I may, may not have even thought about that will take all this away. And what, what will really matter is your own innate capabilities and skills. And so what I would encourage parents to do, especially if your kid is below the age of 10, read with them every night. Help them to become lifelong readers and learners and help them to love learning. I mean, I think that there's nothing more fun sometimes in life than to sit down with a book or a video or something and get to learn and be excited by the ideas and the thoughts. And the more that we take our children's attention 
Get it away from social media and all of that rat race and that nonsense that we've talked about this entire conversation. Instead, buckle down with a wonderful book and, and begin to have that process of imagination and creativity. And the other thing I finally say is this. Um, the darkest hour is always before dawn. I truly believe that we win this thing in the end. But it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Instead, it's going to be sacrifices. There's going to be hard work. But my message to parents especially is we do win in the end, but we have to really get in the game and we have to try. That is beautiful. I love that. And I will have some finishing up thoughts that I'll share if you part with us. I feel like there's parents out there that have the kids post 10 years old that would love to hear what your thoughts would be on the one that I'm just hearing this for the first time and my kids are in high school. What can I do before I launch them to college? Any thoughts on that? Sure. Well, I mean, it's similar to what I said before, which is definitely the reading aspect. But if your kids are older, here's what I also recommend. Get involved. Make sure that they get a job. Uh, I had two jobs when I was in high school. I don't recommend that. I, you know, I want you to enjoy your childhood. But do, th- do something that's going to enable you to have personal responsibility. I, I used to do college essay coaching. I saw a lot of entitled young people that had no idea what to do in life. Instead, foster responsibility at an early age. Find some way in addition to getting a job, volunteer in your community, but take an active interest, play sports, get outside with some fresh air. It's It sounds so basic, but it's so true. Don't be playing video games all day. Go out on dates. Even if you don't like to date, go out with groups of people, but be around other people and be in nature, especially. I love this. This is some wonderful words of wisdom. We may have to have him come back and expound further. Thank you so much, Michael. We're going to make sure his books are in the bookstore. Thank you for being here on Nurses Out Loud today. Thank you. Go to michaelashleypublishing.com to learn more about this very interesting thought leader and check out the over 25 books he has authored and co-authored, including four bestsellers. He offered multiple ways that you can help make sure the next generation within your scope of influence is not dumbed down. And as one of his podcasts is titled, you can change the story. Michael reminds us the best way to share ideas is via storytelling. Through telling stories, we open the door to action for the greater good. He also has another podcast, Artistic Intelligence, where questions are pursued like, how can machines enhance rather than replace what humans do? Where should the human end and the machine begin? Or is it human and machine collaboration? How do artists use emerging technology to create new modes of artistic expression? If this appeals to you, be sure to follow those podcasts. Remember that Nurse Michelle is wanting to make sure that you find ways that you can break your children from the technocratic hold that uh, is taking hold of our society. And if you've never heard of the Charlotte Mason approach to education, it is the way that Nurse Michelle did originally educate her kids when they were young. And it is a beautiful way to um, help them appreciate nature and art and books by simply just even practicing the simple art of doing nature study, where you just walk outside with your little people at least once a week, give every family member a nature book. And they can record their observations and they can have pencils, sketches, watercolor, paintings, whatever you want to give them. We would give them a little bag and find whatever they want out in nature. And I would tell them just to draw what they see, not what they think somebody else should uh, think something should look like. Be sure that they 
they label it and they have this beautiful nature book by the time that they're grown up and they can just look back on all their lovely nature studies. And another way to do art study in a simple form is purchasing from uh, different vendors pieces of famous art and rotating them in a frame and reading to your children about those artists and the names of those pieces of art so that they become very well versed in recognizing beautiful art. And for those that have already grown up, being read to, like the under 10-year-old group he mentioned, you can always get the great works on audiobooks. So I hope you will check out his website and check out his books that are going to be in the americaoutloud.shop bookstore and um, check out all that he has written because this person has definitely left us with some very inspiring words and I hope that our listeners will be inspired to make a difference in your community and change the story until next week it's time